Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here's Durant moving on Tucker. He turns, he shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Welcome into Pick and Pod, WFUV Sports' NBA podcast. I'm Bridge Gotham, joined alongside Owen Kelty and Lauren Mondaruli. I hope I'm saying that right, Lauren. Joined later on, hopefully, by Chris Persianen. And guys, a lot to get to this time of year, the NBA. Obviously, the finals are over, the season's over, but... Adam Silver knows how to keep it a year-round event because free agency just happened, the draft has happened, the summer league is underway. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, I mean, right after the season ends, like every other season, they have their championship, and then it's like a draw, like a couple months off, and then, then you're like, all right, the draft came up. Same with like, especially with the NFL, it's like three months off, and then you got the draft. NBA, it's like a week after the finals ends, they got the draft. Then a week after the draft, they bring you to free agency, and it's the constant drama of the NBA. They keep, they know how to keep it going. They do a good job of keeping their fans entertained, and it's it's pretty impressive just being able to have that quick of a turnaround for teams too, especially if you're playing the NBA Finals, then having the draft, and then get right into free agency. So NBA keeps it interesting as always. This no is doubt. why I'm such a big sorry to interrupt, but this is why I'm such a big NBA fan because there's always news to be covered and listened to. And even, like, if your team's not that great, like, say you're the Hornets and you had, like, one of the first few picks, that's such an exciting thing, like, in the early offseason to see where your draft is going and to, like, predict how your season's going to go. Agreed. And I think the Hornets are so interesting because you got a guy like Michael Jordan, who to me is the greatest to ever play the basketball. But from an executive level, I don't think he's done a very good job. And he's, of course, selling his majority stake. At the same time, the Hornets take Brandon Miller out of Alabama at number two, a pick that a lot of people were wondering – is it him or Scoot Henderson? And Miller has had an uh, an okay start to, to his summer league. He had eight fouls yesterday. Um, there is a higher limit in summer league. Instead of six fouls, you can actually go up to 10 fouls in the summer league, something I didn't know before. Miller, a very aggressive player. Um, but I think it's I think the future is bright for Charlotte. But I but to Lauren, to your point, like you can take a team that was as unexciting as the Hornets and you can, we could talk about them for this entire podcast if we wanted to. Now we're not going to do that, but I think that's what makes the the NBA so fascinating this time of year is that all the bad teams are picking up all the top prospects. So now all the teams you had no reason to talk about, you can talk about them. And then at the same time, we could still talk about the nuggets and why they're going to run it back next year. Yeah. Sometimes like when the playoffs, you can feel like it's dragging on. You're seeing the same teams over and over again. And then right off the bat, it gives you something to talk about. The Spurs were terrible, the Pistons, all these terrible teams. And now it's like I'm watching the draft and you can kind of get excited for their future, looking at all the prospects that they're getting, especially with the Hornets, who were terrible last year. I mean, LaMelo Ball missed almost all of the year, all of the season. But Brandon Miller was probably shot was shocking for me, especially because just I thought Scoot Henderson was the better prospect than him. But they have the guard already in LaMelo. So I guess that's what why they went that way. But. Then they also re-signed Miles Bridges, who has had his issues in the past. So I thought that was a very surprising thing for them to want him back, especially in a young locker room, bringing back that guy. And I don't know. I thought that was pretty interesting. I I agree with that. I just think it's weird seeing guys that have sort of had 
from it's a wide range of spectrum when we talk about the off the court issues, but even a guy like Dylan Brooks, who who did like the littlest thing compared to Miles Bridges, which is simply talk trash about LeBron James. Now he's yeah. getting a big contract. So it's interesting to see that, you know, at the end of the day, they look at the skills of these players and they say, all right, you're going to get paid no matter what. It's a business at the end of the day. So it's kind of, I don't know, to me, that's that's one of the interesting things. Guys that you think, oh, Dylan Brooks, he's he's going to play in China next year, right? Like all the jokes that you see on Twitter, he's he got a great contract, so you can't complain about that. I, I want to walk through the the draft, just the first pick with you guys real quick. So Victor Webb and Yama, generational prospect. I've watched his highlights. I wanted to see him play when I was studying abroad last semester, but I'll tell you, tickets were through the roof. He played at a 4,000-seat arena hottest ticket in town and he wasn't even playing for like an nba level team he was on like a u19 team he was called the metropolitans 92 like this is a this is not like a it's like he played for like a g league team over there and that's how much of a event victor Weminyama was so I, i'll start with you owen and then we'll go over to lauren San Antonio, not great last year. I mean, is is it going to be an instant impact? What do you think Wemby's going to do? He's going to make his debut. We're recording this Thursday um, evening. He's making his debut Friday against the Hornets. Um, so, Owen, I just want to get your take on this. What What's the ceiling for the Spurs with Wemby? I mean, they were really bad. They don't have a lot of bright spots. On, I mean, he's going to bring in ticket sales. He's going to bring in entertaining value to watch them. But, I mean, I think we're looking at another bad season for them. Maybe not first overall pick bad. Like he's going to be a good player, and I think he'll lead to a lot of wins. But there's only so much a one guy can do. They definitely they've they got Reggie Bullock. They've made a they got Trey Jones. I mean they have good pieces on that roster. They have, they're getting draft picks, but I don't really see them going anywhere. I mean not the I don't see them making the play in next year, even competing for the play in. I don't know if the, they won't be tanking like they were this year, but maybe like a twenty thirty win team. I think he'll he'll raise their ceiling a lot. And I think we'll be yeah. very impressed by what he does. Going to win Rookie of the Year, I think, easily. But definitely, I think just from entertainment value, he'll help the Spurs sell out sell out stadiums. But I don't see them improving that much. I agree with Owen completely. Basketball is not a one-man sport. You need all the puzzle pieces to fit together. And this one guy's not going to solve it for the Spurs, unfortunately. I wish it was different, but they're not going to be the great team that they want to be with this number one pick. Because you need everyone else to work as a team with them. And one season's not going to do this. I think this will be another growing season for them. And then maybe we'll see them in the future with this number one prospect that's going to be great for them. I, I actually couldn't agree more with you guys. It's, I love that we all agree because there's been this graphic floating around. It's not a major graphic, but Wemby was the third number one overall pick for the Spurs. Of course, David Robinson, the Admiral, and Tim Duncan. And the big graphic that's been floating around is that Tim Duncan – the Spurs basically had the biggest turnaround from before Duncan and his Duncan's rookie season. They won the title, I believe, in 99. And I, and I think that needs a little bit of context because David Robinson, all-star, all-pro, whatever you want to call it, rock-solid center, was hurt for the majority of the previous season before Duncan got drafted. There's a reason they had the number one pick that year. Let's not forget. And so the graphic that they were showing is that last time the Spurs had the number one pick and they basically tanked they won the title the next year. Are they going to do that again? I'm like, whoa, 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 let's back up a second here. That is out of context. We have to look at this properly. Webiyama is not coming to a team with an injured star coming back. Like we have to really understand here that it's not an overnight fix. Rome was not built in a day. 
but the potential is there and I love I love it for the future. So I, I want to quickly move on. Free agency has been weird. I, I don't I think it's just the size of the contracts to me that's been handed out. I don't even know where to begin, but Raymond for four years, 100 million. I mean, I think a lot of people thought that his like he was washed. I'm I'm one of those people. I mean, $25 million a year for a guy like Draymond who produces zero to little offense. I mean, just talk about that for a second. No, he's coming zero offense coming from Draymond. And it kind of felt like the GMs were bored. I mean, there weren't a ton of like stars for this free agency. I mean, they're looking at the trade yeah. market. So they were just starting handing out these massive contracts to guys that aren't necessarily the best players. And especially with that new CBA contract, I thought me cap, personally, right? like a lot yeah. of these guys were not going to be getting a ton of money. Guys like Draymond or Fred Van Fleet. And then they go out handing out these massive deals. And it's kind of, it was very surprising, especially like the Rockets. I don't know what, where they, I mean, I know they had a ton of cap space, but they were handing out these contracts. Like they're like nothing, just throwing money away. So, I mean, when you go back to Draymond, him getting all that money, I kind of think set the market for everyone. Cause he's not a great, I mean, he's good for the team they need him like for like morale he's a good guy but uh that much money to a guy that doesn't produce on offense is kind of insane yeah lauren yeah it's just absolutely like insane as you said like crazy i never thought Draymond green would get another four year or longer contract and four years with this one i just can't get over his character that it's been with golden state and i just don't think golden state should have like given him much more time on the court and even with like they got Chris Paul, like why do, you, why do they need so many big names? Like the big names haven't helped you in the past. I don't think like keeping Draymond for another four is going to get you much farther because he's just going to get older. He's going to get like slower in his game. Like his offense has been down. It's just not going to get better for him. I think they should have brought in someone younger, someone who they could have like brought up and like grown into the better player than Draymond was in the past. Yeah, I mean to me, even in. At the height of the Warriors dynasty, I called Draymond a triple-double machine, but it wasn't a Westbrook triple-double. It was 10-10-10, right? It was an ugly triple-double. He got you the rebounds. He got you the assists. He did what he had to do. But that was, I mean, we're talking, even when Durant was there, that's 2017, 2018. Guys, it's 2023, and we just signed him to four more years. And he came into the NBA in the early 2010s. I don't think that's a great value contract. I think by year three and year four, they're going to be questioning it. And the Warriors, you know, we talk about Chris Paul, great point by Lauren there. A big name that's kind of faded a little bit away because he's getting a little bit old. Phoenix moved him to Washington, and then Washington sent him over to Golden State in exchange for Jordan Poole, who to me has one of the worst contracts in the NBA. I was shocked that the that the Wizards took on that contract. And good for the Warriors to get that off their hands, but – I think this dynamic between Curry and Paul is going to be interesting. Look, I know Curry's the starter. I know Paul is old. But for a while in the mid-2010s, there was sort of this rivalry of, is it Curry's league? Is it still Chris Paul's? That's the number one point guard. Like, Do you think Paul's like, – how is Paul going to – is he going to accept that role coming off the bench? Or do you guys think they're going to start Paul, Curry, Thompson, Green, and a, and a big? Like, What do you guys think that Warriors team is even going to look like? I don't really think like that would work putting Clay Thompson at the three and then Draymond at the four. Like, yeah, some they like to use Draymond at the five too. So I think it's a weird lineup. That's why I don't really like them getting rid of Jordan Poole. They kind of chose Draymond over Poole, and Poole fit that three spot perfectly. I know he's not a great defender, so that's why I kind of I disagree with you. I think the Wizards have had a really good off season. They got Tyus okay. Jones, who's good. And then Kyle Kuzma bringing him back. I mean, they're going to be the most interesting tanking team in the league, I think. You're watching All Jordan right. Poole and Kyle Kuzma. 
put up 30, the ugliest <laughs> 30 points a night. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, it'll be entertaining. I mean, they're not trying to win the Wizards or anything, but they got rid of Bradley Beal's horrible contract, and then they move on. They get a young player in Jordan Poole whose contract's not good, but, I mean, you could see what he turns into. But going back to the Warriors, Chris Paul's going to have to come off the bench, and he could really, though, help, like, their younger players, and I think that's where they were looking towards that deal, like Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga. Really, I think they expect him to play a huge role in their development. Same thing with, I don't know, like, same thing, bring back Draymond, maybe helping out a guy like Jonathan Kaminga. But still, I don't really like their rosters. No, there's no bigs on that roster. I don't think the five of them will ever start. I think Paul's 100% going to be a bench player because even though, like, he's older and he's slowing down, you still need, like, some sort of motive, like momentum to keep you going, like, once you're going to, like, once your starters slow down and once they're tired later on in, like, the second half of the game, you need Paul to be there when, like, Draymond and Steph Curry aren't. Like, if they were all starting, they're all going to get tired at the same time, and then you're always going to lose the game. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's someone who grew up watching all these guys being the center of all their teams and then having them all sort of team up as old men. I mean, Chris Paul, at least. It's just, I don't know. It, it feels weird. It was sort of the, I wouldn't put it in the same category as a old Carmelo Anthony going to the Lakers or you know, like a Paul Pierce going to the Nets kind of thing. But Chris Paul's best days are definitely behind him. And Chris Paul goes out of Phoenix. Phoenix reloads. They bring in a guy like Bradley Beal. And obviously Phoenix dwindled out. Paul got hurt. But I think even if Paul was there, the Nuggets were were, were too good of a team. But with this big three, per se, of Durant, Beal, and of course Booker, the longtime son who's kind of They've kind of built around him, so credit to him for sticking around. And they still got DeAndre Ayton and some other pieces. Uh, Owen, do the Suns have enough to beat the Nuggets next year? I don't think so, but I, I want to hear your take. I'm going to agree. I don't really think so. I mean, the Suns are as all-in as all-in you can be. I mean, they have no more picks until 2032. They're they're going for it now, and I still don't think they have, have what it takes. I mean, Devin Booker. I think they kind of went around building it wrong. If you kept building around Devin Booker instead of just keep trying to give him that second or third star. But now, like, you have Durant and you have Beal. Beal's contract's terrible. So you're really, like, you have to do it this year or next year. And I still don't think they have that roster. I mean, I'm going to be at their summer league tryout trying to make their roster. They got they don't have a great bench. I mean, they signed Eric Gordon, who's going to probably be in the starting lineup. And you don't want to be. But, like, who, like, these guys, like, can they make a difference on a championship roster and come off the bench and make a huge difference they didn't in brooklyn they didn't somewhere else so they're going to be really relying on devin booker and kevin durant i think the most because bradley beal's shown throughout his career can't really play a full season at least in a few last few years so the suns will be an interesting team to watch especially early in the year if they get off to a slow start the the noise is going to be loud yeah there's no way they're going to be beating like a championship team or even making a championships like they only have durant and booker but with Beal, he, he was averaging 31 points a few years ago, but that was before his injuries. And we'll see like how he recovers this upcoming season, but I really don't think it's going to be a strong season for the Suns whatsoever. Yeah, and that moves us to, I think, the biggest, not even a move, Damian Lillard finally requested a trade out of Portland. He said Miami is where he wants to go. Portland said they're not going to accommodate they're basically going to take the best deal they get. They're not going to send Dame to Miami just because he prefers that. To me, finally, right? Dame, I love his loyalty, but 
long overdue. Where do you guys think he goes? And if he does go to the Heat, are they the team to beat in the East? And we're talking Boston, Bucks, and Heat to me are sort of the big three. If if Lillard goes there, are they the best? I mean, they said his agent like has been saying that if any other team were to trade for him, they'd be getting an unhappy star. So it seems like he's going to end up in Miami no matter what. And I still don't think they're the team to beat because they're going to have to give up at least Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson to match the money. And then you're back at looking them. They have no more depth. They got rid of Gabe Vincent this offseason. So you're looking at a Heat team that was the eighth seed last year. They barely made the playoffs. I mean, Dame Lillard, obviously, Jimmy Butler, two of the best players in the league, but Ken and Bam Adebayo. But can you sustain that and make the playoffs? Will they like had my biggest thing would be will they make the playoffs? Not kind of like if they make the playoffs, I think they're one of the top teams. But if the, I think the biggest question would be if they made the playoffs. I definitely think Damian's going to be in Miami. I I don't see him going anywhere else, especially with how much he's talking about, how much he's going to love it in Miami and how happy he's going to be. It just makes the most sense. And I think if he does go to Miami, I disagree with Owen. I think Miami is going to be the scariest team to see in the East because it wasn't like they struggled to get to the playoffs, but once they got to the playoffs, they thrived against all those other teams that made it easily there. And that's a team that I'm scared of as I'm a Knicks fan, so I – absolutely hate that Damian Lillard's going to be going to Miami but it's going to be what's happening and we have to accept it but the Heat's going to thrive this upcoming season if they get Lillard and if they don't they're still going to thrive but like similar to how they did last year slower in the regular season I I agree I think the Heat especially from the Knicks perspective you go into that second round last year you thought hey they're the eight seed we can take care of them and, you know, we, we have to start wrapping here as, as Chris Persianen is going to join us for the, for the final minute here. Chris, can you hear us? Don't think we have Chris just yet. Um, but as I wrapped up, I just wanted to mention the Celtics making some questionable moves, sending Grant Williams away for a couple of picks. They lost Marcus Smart. So perhaps the Celtics dropping a little bit in the standings. If the Heat can get Lillard, maybe they'll be all right. Chris, we can see you now. We do have to wrap now. Uh, anything you want to say? All right. No, I'm all good. Just wanted to thank you guys for covering this week of NBA content. Absolutely, Chris. No, no, no doubt. And um, Chris, of course, our Knicks beat reporter here for WFUV. And we're going to wrap now. So thanks so much to Owen Kelty, Lauren Wonderuli. This is Bridge Gotham signing off.